we have made headway and we have changed minds. I think we continue to do that. I think now we're coming into this really exciting, powerful place as a women-led, women-founded company where we have leverage, where we can go into these situations and we, you know, we can change opinions. Welcome back to Almost 30 Podcast. It's a wacky time. It's wackadoo. <laughs> we are wacky, wacky. <laughs> Actually, me and Justin say that. I don't know why. That's a thing we're saying around the house now. If we yawn, we're like, oh, hello, hi. We always go, hi, hello, hi. <laughs> my God, I just, right before I got here, I had a conversation with my mom, Top Della T. Mm-hmm. That was a very mom combo. It was so mom. It was like, she's like, come, she's coming to visit. When? In February. Great. With her boyfriend. Her Do son. I get to meet Top Della? Yes. Yes. <laughs> You're like, maybe. I'm trying to, I'm just trying to think of what she'll say. <laughs> I'm prepared for anything. Yeah. Just so you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's all you need. Oh, uh, I don't know. Uh, so she's coming in February and we've been talking about the trip and she was saying she wants to fly into San Diego and then drive to Palm Springs and then fly, drive back to <laughs> drive back to San Diego and then fly out of LA. Super logical. In five days. And I was like, hey man, I don't think that what's going to work. I was like, what's the goal? What's the goal of your trip? Let's start from a helicopter. <laughs> to never be in one place for more than five hours. I'm like having a business meeting. I'm like, let's start from a helicopter view and like, let's drill down. Like, what's the overall arching goal of this? She's like, well, I want to see you and we want to go to Palm Springs and San Diego. But, you know, you you said that you don't want to go to Palm Springs and you don't want to go to San Diego. Or, or So we talked about that. Sorry. So we talked about that. And I'm like, I don't think that's possible. I'm sorry. You know, you, I think you should figure out if you want to be in Palm Springs, if you want to be in San Diego. So then today she calls back and she's like, you know, I don't know if we're going to come to California because, you know, you said the trip wasn't possible. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know if it's going to happen. And I'm like, what? She's like, you know, you just said it wasn't possible. I'm like, I said, it's not possible for you to fly into San Diego, drive to Palm Springs, drive back to San Diego, and then drive up to LA in five days. She's like, well, you know, it's like the same thing. I'm like, okay. It's more of like, do you, does she know that it's, she goes, it's about two hours. No, that's someone from Ohio saying, well, that's everything. That's two two hours without traffic. Without traffic, maybe. But actually, San Diego's further to Palm Springs than L.A. is. Yes. L.A., you know. So I was just like, for the good of the trip, I suggest not. But it was like, you know, we're I don't know if we're going to do it. I'm like, okay. And then she said, and if we get a hotel, you know, me and Phil, Phil has a lot of Marriott points. I'm like, oh, perfect. Now I know why you're with me. <laughs> 
Got those Marriott <laughs> pints, baby. She's she's like, okay, so we'll get like a, a big room. Like we can get a suite. How does that sound? I'm like, you guys, that's great. You guys are really should enjoy your suite. She's like, no, like, you know, it'll be like two rooms. Or like if there's a couch, you and Justin can be on the couch. <laughs> I'm like, mom, I have sex every night. I can't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I, I just was like, um, I don't think I, I, I'm not kids. I know. I was like, I want to make a suggestion that we're just going to get our own room. I hope that's okay. She's like, well, you know, Justin's really well connected to Marriott. His dad worked there 10 years ago. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Like, leave it up to top dollar to up, remember that. And like top bring it up. <laughs> Remembers his LinkedIn profile of Justin's dad. <laughs> and she's like, he's really well connected. And, and I'm like, He's actually, he was, but you know, nowadays uh, he hasn't worked for them in a lot of years and, you know, he's out of that business and, you know, he's actually in North Carolina. So, um, you know, I don't really think that we're going to get that. She's like, okay, yeah. So hit him up and ask him, you know, get the friends and family discount. I think that sounds great. And, you know, if you could get it for us, if we run out of points, that'd be great. I'm like, okay. I'm like, like it's the idea of had an idea in her head yes. and nothing I could say was like going to change that. And then we're done mm-hmm. talking about that. And I'm, and I'm, I'm like, I'm just going to throw her a bone and sit. I'm going to say something about the tree. I'm, I'm feeling the tree. So I talked about this in a previous episode, but the tree problem where they're, they cut down the tree. So I'm like, I wonder how she's going to say about the tree. Like they cut down the tree. I'm annoyed. She's like, Oh, well it was probably diseased. I'm like, okay. Maybe it wasn't. She's like, yeah, well, you know, I'm pooped all day. I went on a six mile hike Sunday with Phil. I'm like, okay, we're done with the tree and we're on the hike. I'm like, but it was like part of the script. She had a few things to say. She had their little agenda. Totally. You know, and there was, there was 20. And then she goes after, I'm like, wow, that sounds hard. She's like, well, I've made it to my destination. I've got to pick up milk. So I'll talk to you later. I'm like, talk to you later. See ya. TTYL. It's, it's funny how on the phone, I can imagine that they would get mad at us if we were younger and got distracted on the phone and didn't focus yet. Literally all my parents do is like you said, have an agenda. And then if anything strays, they kind of have to come right back and you're like, Whoa. Yeah. I was telling you about like how I'm devastated. They don't want that. It's more of like the update. Are you alive? Yeah. Do you have enough? Yeah. My dad needs vital signs yes. every time I talk to him. Love you, dad. But it's like, do you have enough money? Not that he could give me money, <laughs> but like the question makes him feel better. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, are you okay? Do you have enough food? I'm like, dad, again, you can't yeah. get me food. I know. honestly. <laughs> and then he emailed us all the other day. Sometimes it'll be an article from Yahoo about the healthiest. Yahoo is a classic. Classic dad. Classic dad. The health, top five healthiest sandwiches mm. that you can make today. Oh yeah, wheat wheat bread and and exactly Oscar Mayer it's, turkey. Yeah, with with Miracle Whip and cucumbers. Yep, classic. You know? <laughs> cucumbers are cooling, <laughs> anti-inflammatory. <laughs> and then he'll send us one. What? Oh, I forget the the title, the subject line of the email, but it was an article about which is very serious about the Scandinavian tourists who got murdered in Morocco. And I traveled to Morocco last year. It was incredible. I had the most unbelievable time. It was beautiful and I just loved it. Um, But I didn't tell my parents at the time. I kept it from them because I didn't want them worrying, which, you know, hey, they would have done any, I mean, whatever. So they found out and then he sends me an email 
with this article and saying, uh, this is why your fa- my dad talks in third person when he's trying to make a point. This is why your father worries. It's not for nothing. I'm not on a soapbox, but I just want to say, and he goes on. And, you know, that's very my dad and I understand. But I mean, I could have sent him an article about like the five people who were murdered probably like five miles away from me within the last week. So oh, it just, it's hard. It's hard to kind You're of like navigate these articles. like gaps between like my daily worries and his daily worries or our parents in general, their daily worries because it's not the same. Not the same. But I was talking to my Nana earlier. My Nana's like 80, but like sharp. She's getting her second knee redone. And she was out buying mattress toppers, spending just like hours at Macy's and like various stores and and whatnot. And I forget what we were talking about, but I said to her, she's retired now, newly retired. And I said, oh, that's like great that you have more time now to really, you know, socialize even more. Cause she's very social, but it just gives her even more time. And she kind of turned it around and was like, well, yeah, you two with soul cycle, you know, like you can socialize with the opposite sex now. Oh, Oh. I was like, oh, she's like, do you need a mattress top? It always comes back around to like, you deserve to take time to date around and meet someone who you're going to spend the rest of your life with. I like he, she really wants me to like take time off work to date. Oh, you know what I mean? Like she feels yeah. like everything else is getting in the way of me meeting someone who in her mind will take care of me and I won't have to work. Exactly. That's the thing. <laughs> I'm That's like, thing. okay. You got to forget about this other stuff. Cause the real man is yeah. waiting for you at Chase Bank. No, but my nan is the type that would be like, you know, if I brought home someone from Chase Bank, she would not be so uh, keen. Like she's very, she's very picky, even though she's pushing me to go and do whatever. Like it's very (laughs) interesting. My poor sister. Yo, she went on one date with one dude in high school who was, went to Harvard. Uh He was like a wrestler. I swear he got like, and I think he like fucked over my sister. I, I think- just last year, my mom stopped talking about him. <laughs> like my, my sister does that too. Thirty four, and she—it's been sixteen years. Set more. Mm. I don't even know how old. Still, honestly, we'll never stop talking about Harvard. You know, she's like, well, you know, Bryn's she's dated some of the best guys from Harvard, and you're like. <laughs> Oh, dude, my poor sister, man. Every time she's like, fuck, I can't get out of this. So sad. Oh, man. So sad. Oh, but that was like me too, actually. So they got me a nice to me backpack that I can travel with. Oh, yeah. Uh, when we're on I tour. Love that. Yeah. And it actually was on sale. It wasn't even it wasn't really that nice. much money. It's beautiful. And it can carry my laptop and sits on my suitcase. Mm-hmm. And of course, my sister, super shit starter. She's like, you know, when I got you that, when we got you that bag, mom said, I don't even know why she wants this because she never takes care of her stuff anyway. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. how does she know? <laughs> and I'm like, what a bitch. And then I look at my whole life and it's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> what am I like? I mean, we have to like get nice things in order to realize that we should probably be taking better Fuck care of everything. That isn't else even that nice. It's not like a fucking Gucci backpack. True. We're on our way though. Yeah. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> um, okay. So today on the pod, 
we have. Oh, this is such a good one. The founders of Skinny Dipped, uh, who, you know, we just adore working with. Um, we had the whole crew. Mm. It was a yeah. whole crew. It was amazing. We've been working with uh, Brittany uh, from Skinny Dipped for a long time. She is a friend of ours, a friend of the pod. Um, and she has been a great support for almost 30. Uh, we've had Skinny Dipped on tour and I've introduced them to all my friends. I always have it with me all the time. And it's just a brand that we know and love. So to have their founders on who are all females, who are all very closely connected, who really, really created something from the ground up with a vision and with hard work and determination and had no um, background in this space. You know, they weren't experts in food products or food packaging or any of this. And they really, really figured it out together, learned it together and just grew this business skinny dipped where now it's everywhere. It's in Target, it's in all these places. So it's super inspirational for me to kind of see women like this work together to create a dream and to create a business like skinny dipped. Absolutely. We had on, uh, so the two founders, Val and Breezy. So Breezy is the CEO. Breezy is Val's daughter. They have such a incredible dynamic and Breezy is such a boss, like just her at her young age to be a CEO, killing it. Killing it. Um, so proud. And then co-founders, Lizzie and Chrissy, uh, who are just so sweet and really are instrumental in keeping the skinny dipped ship running and evolving. And it was just a really great conversation. We talked about Josh Dickerson, who is a friend that touched their lives and basically inspired this business. So I, I really was glad that they shared that story as well. We laughed. It was great. It was our first time having four people on the pod at once. Yeah. It was great. And it actually flowed really, really well. It was great. Started out very emotional, heartfelt for their reason. So their why. There's just so many reasons why I love their story, but it's so clearly rooted in a why that it is undeniable that they were going to be successful. And um, they really reevaluated their life's priorities when they lost Josh, you know, someone that was very dear, near and dear to their hearts and then built this business and work together so well. So there is a lot to learn from them. They are an inspiration to me. We love Skinny Dipped. Um, we are grateful to be their partners. If you do want to get Skinny Dipped, you can use the code ALMOST30, but you could also pick it up at Target. Um, and we love the peanut butter flavor. And I just saw them in the airport. Ah, rock on. Rock on. Because I've been waiting for healthier snacks at yeah, the airport. airport Come on. I know. Launchables. All right. Enjoy this interview. We will see you on the other side. Thank you so much for tuning in. Skinny dipped in the house. Skinny dipped in the We're house. We're having a, a party. Yeah, this is truly. <laughs> I wanted a party today and I yeah. didn't know how it was going to show Anytime up. Anytime skinny dips up. here, it's a party. <laughs> on tour, we, I mean, so we have it for on tour. We brought it in all of our bags and stuff. Then it's nice because we have extras. Yeah. <laughs> and our extras always make it their way to our bags. And it's like... By the end of the event, we're like, you got the extra skinny dip? Yes, Who has it? Literally. Bring it back to the hotel. We always bring, all, we always bring skinny dip back yeah. to the hotel. And it's like our favorite treat. So we are so happy to be here. We love working with uh, Brittany. She has just been such a great support of the pod. Um, meeting her in person in Seattle was just the best. And we're just so excited about what you're doing. We love your story. So we are so glad to have you guys in the house. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. We're yes. super happy to be here. Oh, you know, really love, West Coast. love your work. Oh, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So I know we explained kind of, you know, in, in our ad spots, but 
you know, this is to really dig into your story and how you started. A lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs who have seedlings of ideas or creative hits that you serve as expanders for them. So I would love to kind of start from the beginning, like how this idea came about, um, why it's been so um, important to you to commit to and bring to life and grow as you have. That's a complex question, but uh, I usually date the genesis of this idea back to about 2012 and our friend Josh Dickerson, who was, I like to, to describe him as this like, beautiful shooting star who kind of raced his way through our life for a very brief period of time. He was sort of a the boyfriend to my youngest daughter, Emma, Breezy's little sis, and at the time that she was about um, 15. And, this is, and Josh was diagnosed with a terminal cancer, mm-hmm. um, very serious one. And so we ended up, our family ended up spending um, the last six months of his life with him and with his family, trying to help walk them through the path. We were also supported by a kind of a village of, of other folks. And um, during that period of time, Breezy had been living in New York and the rest of our family was in Seattle. And she ended up coming back and spending a lot of time in Seattle with us so she could support her little sister, so that she could support her mom and dad while we were helping this family out. And I think that um, at the end of all of that, after Josh passed away, we had a much better idea of how important it is to make life sweet and you know, to make decisions about um, how you're going to be spending, a very conscious decisions about how you're going to be spending the rest of your life. And for us, we had always been a very close family, and that really meant um, spending more time together. And so Breezy and I started talking about um, doing something together, and we only knew that we wanted to make it food-centered and food-based because food is super important to our family, most from, you know, just from the point of view of loving it and, you um, we wanted, we wanted to do something that involved uh, health and a healthy kind of food idea, but something that was also super delicious at the same time. And we had no idea what we were going to do. And that was sort of so that was really the genesis was Josh kind of leading us down this path to coming back together and deciding that, um, you know, we wanted to spend time together and we wanted to focus on something that would sort of nourish and nurture people in the way that um, food had always had that place in our lives. And that's when we started kicking ideas around. How did you guys have the conversation about death, you know, as a family? And like, I guess in the community and the people around him, like how did it change your perspective and your relationship with death? Yeah, I think we encountered death straight on, full on. I mean, there is no way of ignoring it when you're with an 18-year-old, 17-year-old male who knows he's going to die. And you can decide that you're either going to walk through the fire with him or not. And, you know, there's no judgment there. Not everybody is ready for that in their life at that time. Um, And I think for me as a mom with Emma, she was so young and we had to sit down and and talk about, could she do this? And if she was going to do this, being fully aware of what this was, um, I didn't want her to do it by herself, you know, and felt that it was so important to support her. 
it was it was heartbreaking. I think it takes a great deal of courage to go to take a deep dive into death. It was remarkably full of humor. You know, when I think about this period of time in our lives, I think about kind of um, the way that Mexicans celebrate Day of the Dead with light and a certain sense of black humor and joy and grief. And it all gets sort of mixed up together. Um, And I think that that was what this was for us. Josh was no angel. He was a firecracker. He was, you know, a kick-ass athlete. And he made a decision that for the last six months of his life, he was going to live all caps. And that's what he did. And so in a lot of ways, we took our cues from him, which was really interesting. You know, this young, you know, 17-year-old, he died a couple weeks after his 18th birthday. And um, he just blazed this trail. And his mom and dad basically decided that whatever Josh wanted, they were good with. And what Josh wanted to do was spend as much time as he could with, with his friends and with his girlfriend, quotes, Emma, who was really just a very, very good friend. And, um, you know, we would have nights where the kids would come over to our house for, I don't know, there would be like 15 of them spending the night with Josh at our house. And they just, you know, it was like he had a little posse that followed him around everywhere. And the, and the kids were going to soak up all of the time they had with him. So there was a, a, it was a very, it was a very conscious thing, uh, you know, and for me, it made me so much less afraid of death. Yeah. It's the ultimate lesson. You know, it's the ultimate teacher of all lessons, you know, it's so beautiful and it's so like, you know, I, I would love to be in a position at some point in my life to be in a place where I could teach others about death and about the acceptance of death in such a powerful way like that. So that's such a beautiful Mm. thing. And, you know, it's really amazing how much it has impacted your lives and how you guys were able to take that on in that way. And especially to teach lessons, lessons with your kids. Like that's, the best. You know what I mean? Like you're both going through it. You're both expressing it in a healthy way. You're both learning in a healthy way. And you're just, you know, impacting these like 17, 18 year olds that at this point think they're immortal. And I think oftentimes like parents like kind of protect their kids Mm -hmm. from things like that. So if I'm thinking of like what my parents would have done, not that it would have been wrong, but I don't know if they would have walked into the fire like that, you know? And I just think that you know, certainly he feels kind of like an angel that was here for a reason. And so like to kind of bring two families together and then to bring a community together, I just like keep getting goosebumps thinking about it. You Mm -hmm. know, that is, it's really powerful and you have to be willing to be open to that too. So how, how how did it change? How did you see the change in your daughter specifically Mm -hmm. after his passing? That's a hard question. She was so young and I think it was difficult for her to go back to um, life as a high schooler. She took mm. a couple of months off while we went through this. And I think that when she returned to school, she found she didn't have a place to be there because nobody had gone where she'd gone. Um, Josh had a number of friends who from around the city. So his friend group 
came from a whole variety of places and he was a couple of years older than she was. So she didn't, it wasn't as though she went back to high school and everybody um, had participated in Josh's journey with her. So I always talked to her about how she was on the Autobahn and everybody else was sort of still cruising around, you know, in sort of the normal Mm -hmm. streets. And Emma got on this path that was just at hyperspeed. Um, So I think it made the last two years of her high school career difficult, but I think it made her very aware of everything that was meaningful and precious in life. And so I think as a high schooler, she was a little bit intolerant of what she saw as sort of the small shit, Mm -hmm. you know, especially socially. Totally. And that was kind of hard for her to, you know, kind of navigate for a while. And how do you even go back to school? It's like, I just learned like what life is about, which is like Mm -hmm. joy, compassion, connection. And now I'm learning about Christopher Columbus. Yeah. Columbus. You're like, um, well, Mm. and I think in particular, she had witnessed suffering. That was the, that's the most difficult thing is when you go through that kind of a death in particular, I think cancer, you are witness to suffering and not only the person who is experiencing that, but the people who love that person so much, you know, in Mm -hmm. our case, Josh's mom and dad and many other people. And I just think that's just this enormous like tsunami of knowledge and experience that she had to somehow try to, she had to carry it. And it's so interesting because now if you fast forward six years, she is, She's been traveling the world. She, um, you know, her favorite time. Well, just to spin back for just a moment, Josh had a conversation with all of the people he was really tight with and loved just a few days before he died. He made a decision to undergo something called conscious sedation, which is sort of a kind of a way to begin to end your life. And at the time that he did that, he brought in everybody he loved and had a chat with them. And he had a talk with Emma and said, you know, go out there, see the world, live big, live large. Don't let anyone stop you. And honestly, I feel like she has completely Mm. inhabited that life lesson that he gave her. And she's gone out in the world and she lives really big right now. And she's not afraid. So maybe the big thing is that she's just, she's not afraid. Mm. You know, she can kind of open her arms wide Mm. to the world and its experiences. Big experience for a 15, 16 year old to have. Totally. Wow. That is crazy. That is quite the genesis. So, okay. You guys were really affected by this. So was Emma part of the original kind of ideation of, of what was going on or was it just? No, no, she okay. was, she was young. Yeah. 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 Nope. Nope. It was just, just breezy in me. Just cooking up. <laughs> just cooking up some ideas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What did that look like? You know, like, did you guys have, did you both have experience cooking or was it just something you kind of loved and enjoyed and played with? But how do you kind of, I guess, test what you're doing mm-hmm. and like, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a good question. And, um, and I know everyone likes to say that their mom is an amazing cook, but my mom is an unbelievable cook. I mean, I grew oh. up, you know, when everyone was getting, I actually don't say that. So okay. So, you know, when everyone grew up with 
you know, spaghetti and meatballs, right? I would come home to a arugula salad with, you know, rosemary roast lamb that was made in the outdoor, you know, wood burning oven. And she's a self-taught cook, right? Mm. You know, my grandma wasn't a good cook. So she learned out of necessity and wanting to provide, you know, me and my sister and my dad, our family with good, healthy food. And so I think that, you know, while we did not come out of CPG, we didn't come out of, you know, didn't have a business degree. Um, My mom definitely held this kind of amazing um, library of culinary skills. And that's what's really driven us forward in terms of like uh, the product itself. Making the product was in and of itself. I mean, if I just think back for a minute and, you know, when we decided that, okay, we want to create this better for you, this good for you chocolate covered almond that's equally delicious, if not more delicious. And where do we start? And I mean, I mean, at one point when we were trying to figure out how we could put this thin layer of chocolate, we had my dad go to Home Depot to buy a paint sprayer we filled it with melted chocolate. <laughs> we had all the almonds lined up in the backyard. And, you know, I have like a hair dryer with the paint gun so that the chocolate doesn't, you know, harden and the almonds are going everywhere. And we didn't know. And, and we had to, you know, we spent a year trying to figure out, you know, how how are we going to make this product? And, you know, eventually, I mean, I can't tell you how many nights we spent hand dipping nuts on the dining room table, Mm. um, you know, trying to get the product right, even in the home kitchen. Wow. Why, why almonds? Like why chocolate covered almonds? Like what about that was like, (laughs) well, mostly we were frustrated Mm -hmm. because if you go to the bulk bin in the store, which was pretty much the only place that had a chocolate covered almond, Mm -hmm. we call those chubby nuts or bowling balls of chocolate. You know, they're just these (laughs) giant balls that have this something in the middle that you wouldn't necessarily know if you closed your eyes that it was an almond. And yet, um, I think almonds and chocolate go together so beautifully. Mm. That's just a marriage. They're meant to be together. And so when we came up with the idea, which was really just riffing off of all sorts of ideas, we thought, let's make a better for you chocolate covered almond, one that has really great chocolate on it and one that uses really good almonds and treats the almond with the respect that it deserves. And, you know, balances, we wanted to go for a balanced treatment of uh, both of those things instead of this, this sort of big glob of chocolate that Mm. was filled with, we also wanted to clean, clean the product up. We Mm. knew it was filled with a lot of things that we would never eat. Mm. So we really made the snack. I mean, that sounds very cliche, but we made the snack that we wanted to have. What do we need to be aware of when we are eating almonds, sourcing Mm -hmm. almonds? Because I know there's in the not only in the growing of them, but just in kind of the processing of them as well. Like what do people need to know? Well, for one thing, um, all almonds in the U.S. have to be pasteurized. And, you know, I think it's about 95% are pasteurized with something called PPO, which is... What is pasteurized? So it's basically a way to get rid of any bacteria that's on them. So I think it was something that was established like five or six years ago where... Um, there was a salmonella outbreak with almonds. And so it, they just made it a requirement that all almonds had to be pasteurized. Only almonds? Yes. 
Um, I'm not totally sure yeah, about other yeah. nuts, but um, so yeah, most of them are pasteurized with PPO, which is a chemical and an ingredient in jet fuel and just a really scary thing that nobody really knows about. So they can also be, be pasteurized with steam, which is what we do. So it's a much cleaner, cleaner way to pasteurize them. What the hell? So <laughs> doesn't so, like, like, so how would we know? Is it non if, if it, well, labels are, yeah, you know, what whatever, do labels mean, I guess. but, but how would someone know if theirs is pasteurized with PPO? You wouldn't. Wow. Because there's no labeling requirement for it. Wow. Fuck that. <laughs> literally, literally, actually, though. That makes me so mad. Wait, doesn't it take more effort to get jet fuel rather than, or whatever, not jet fuel. Than steam. PPO than steam. Yeah. Well, like, you know, what, what happens is like the growers oftentimes have, you know, they get cuts or they have relationships with the companies that, you know, do that kind of stuff. It's cheaper. Or they provide them the land. Oh, really? It's cheaper to treat an almond, to pasteurize an almond with PPO than it is to pasteurize it with steam. Mm. So it's the the economic driver, right? But the problem is, as Lizzie mentioned, it doesn't have to appear on your ingredient panel because it's not perceived as a food, but it's on your almond. Ick. And so, uh, it, you know, PPO is something that's been banned in Europe. Mm-hmm. It's banned in Mexico, but we use it here still. So, wow. So, besides skinny dipped, so could someone, I guess we can find out online by searching, but I wonder if people could reach out to some of the companies that are nut companies and see if they use PPO. Do they legally have to say yes or no? I'm not sure if yeah. there's what the legality is there, yeah. but I mean, you can definitely call companies and ask them. That's wow. I wonder what the, is there any research on the effects of PPO long-term? I wonder when the salmon or the outbreak happened and then they started using PPO and if we have enough data. I don't know the answer yeah. to that question, but I, I think there's compelling enough data that, you know, the European Union decided no-go. So it's a, it's, here's the thing. I think most of the products that you trust probably are steam pasteurized. I think more and more people are doing that. But at the time that we started Mm. our company, it was, the almonds were more expensive for us to purchase for that reason. And so while we couldn't afford to be an emerging brand and buy organic almonds, which would have been our first choice. We would have never been able to grow grow our business. It, they're, they're twice the cost of wow. any other almond. We did decide that um, we were committed to buying the cleanest, best almond that we could find. And that's when we started going down the, um, making all these discoveries about PPO and steam. Have you made any other discoveries about the food industry that have shocked you in the way that PPO has? Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, right? Like not coming out of a commercial food background, right? And, you know, my mom, who's always at the forefront of the R&D process and everything, which still in a lot of ways we do in a home kitchen, more a, a more similar setting to that. Because when you work with, you know, whether it's a, 
you know, food scientist or a consultant or something, because maybe, you know, we've tried to solve some issues as we scale, right? Like in batch sizes and things like that. Um, people always want to, you know, offer these products that can make it faster or easier or more flavor. And we've had to really, really hold true to, you know, where we began our roots and what we believe in, which is offering everyone, you know, as, you know, as my mom would say, something that we would feed our friends and family. And so I think that, you know, our discovery there has just been that it's pretty unbelievable just, you know, still how many synthetic lab derived, um, additives are in our everyday food. Wow. Yeah. What are the conversations like as you are, you know, I just saw skinny dipped in the airport the other day, which is incredible in target. Like I, what are these conversations? Like, are they, are you sensing that the buying is changing in terms of like what they're looking for in terms of quality and kind of just like the consciousness behind the brands, which is exciting for you, but I just kind of want to know how you've been able to navigate those conversations. We have four people on the mic. Introduce yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's an expert. I love this. (laughs) We have to educate all day, every day, because buyers are um, used to the chubby nuts or the bowling ball nuts or the almonds with PPO, which they didn't even realize have that. And we are a premium product. We're more expensive. And we have to kind of give them many reasons of why it's worth paying for or why we're missing a certain consumer that comes into their store who is educated and doesn't want, you know, natural and artificial flavors or wax and shellac or any other chemicals that are in so many products. So it is a challenge, but also really fun once you finally get a buyer who leans in hard um, and values and understands, I guess, kind of exactly what we've built or set out to kind of get out there everywhere. How did you do the research, you know, to find out about natural flavors or about shellac and wax? Like, how did you find the information to share? You, to, to kind of share why we don't Mm -hmm. have that. Well, that was a lot of, I think the groundwork that, Mm -hmm. um, Val and Breezy kind of started and, you know, and even just going through how many almonds, 35 different varieties and not understanding why certain ones were so much more expensive um, because they, you know, use steam pasteurization mm-hmm. or um, were organic or, mm-hmm. or whatever. And then being like, what is this? Why is it bad? Why are we different? And um, <laughs> we Google quite a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, there are some studies like the Harvard Business School mm-hmm. study. It was the longest study on nuts too, 30 years, a lot of information Mm -hmm. about just what everything is. And Mm -hmm. once you show people that, it's pretty compelling, I Mm -hmm. think. What was the study? Uh, The Harvard Harvard Business School did a study on Mm -hmm. just nuts in general and the different um, benefits that they have on longevity. Mm -hmm. Like Mm health-wise. Wow. And I just think it's probably, you know, also, I think that as we start to see consumers, right, you know, there's like a a, a kind of a wave, a, you know, of educated consumers that are now label readers that are looking, you know, that are conscious of what we put in our bodies, right? And because of that, retailers are 
reacting to that. But I think that the reaction on the retailer side is not always um, keeping up with the consumer demand. So part of, you know, our job, right, as founders of this company is to, like Chrissy was saying, to, to educate, you know, our buyers, our retailers, our consumers about that there are good for you options. Now there are good for you options that don't sacrifice flavor. Right. And I think that's just another piece of it. You know, it's not just about clean ingredients. It's about something that's good for you. You know, our product is so low in sugar and high in protein, um, but it still tastes really good. And I think, you know, people are looking for something that's not punishing, but they Mm. still want to be healthy. That's always been our proposition is something that's as delicious as it is good for you. Um, We just, that's, and as Breezy was saying earlier, we would never, ever, ever put anything out there that we wouldn't put on the table for our closest friends and family. So we've already put the product through a lot of rigor because it's a, we have a, a high bar that we're trying to reach. And I think one of the interesting things that we've found out is how mainstream now these uh, interests are becoming on behalf of consumers. The target consumer is beginning to really look for this. It's not just the Whole Foods or the Sprouts or the natural grocer consumer, but it's consumers across the board, there's so much growing awareness about what we're putting in our body. And we wanted to be able to offer something for everyone. We didn't want to create a product that was so high priced, that was so great that we couldn't offer it to the mainstream as well. Sometimes from time to time, we'll talk about ourselves about the people's nut. We try to be the people's nut. We want a certain democratization of our product so that it's not just somebody who has a lot of money who can buy it and enjoy it, but that it's there and available for all all the folks. I think it's exciting to be kind of at the forefront of a, a conscious, healthy brand in a space like a Target or in just a big, you know, are you in Costco yet? Okay. I don't, sorry. I don't know what the conversation looks like, but just something like that where, where, where the majority of of people are going to shop rather than saying, oh, Hey, we have to go to Whole Foods or we have to go to Erwan to get the healthiest stuff. It's, it's really making it accessible, which I think like gives, gives us hope that, you know, a, these healthy choices, um, could be more widely, you know, accessible to people. It shouldn't be exclusive. And I, I think it's just, the point is exciting because you're changing the industry standard and almost pushing other brands to really check themselves and check their process and what ingredients they're using. Um, it's always exciting for us to talk to brands like who are doing that. Mm-hmm. And so you guys were, you guys are making this like at your house and like all these crazy ways. What was the point where you're like, oh, this is a business and we're going to actually treat it like a business and we are going to take what we're doing seriously. I think, you know, looking back, it's hard to pinpoint an exact moment. Um, I think it kind of happened organically. Uh, There was a point at which, you know, um, you know, my mom and I had come up with this idea, but and now Chrissy and Lizzie were part of it, and we were a team of four. And, you know, Chrissy and I had relocated from New York, and we'd moved in with my parents 
all Sweet. of us and Chrissy's dog <laughs> and Lizzie lived, you know, just a couple blocks away. And I think that was the point at which we started to kind of live and breathe the idea. And, you know, uh, it was this coming together of different ideas and skill sets and this combined kind of intuition and, um, excitement that we all shared. And at that point, you know, it really was, we just, we kind of gained this momentum together as a team. And it was just like, no looking back. This is what we're doing. You know, it just felt so natural. Mm. I'd add to that, that in a very pragmatic sense, it was the moment where we had to be able to get that nut out of the kitchen and we had to scale it. That was no easy task to figure out. We could make a great product in our kitchen, but we couldn't, we didn't know how to take that great product out into the world and recreate it in, in massive quantities. So I think there was that realization and struggle and coupled with when we threw some money at it. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What was like the scaling process? Like, you know, Horrendous. What, yeah. <laughs> In a word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and fun and hilarious when I look back on it. We we went down a number of paths that were the wrong roads. We just didn't know they were the wrong roads when we were on them. What does that look like? Uh, that looks like going to driving to Oregon and finding some little place that dips hazelnuts and you know, begging them to use their equipment to see if we could do this and uh, realizing that, uh, you know, that that was not a tenable thing when you're literally placing one nut at a time onto a (laughs) conveyor belt and watching it go through this like waterfall of chocolate. And then I think you guys were on the other end of that belt, you know, sprinkling it with sea salt, sprinkling it with cinnamon. And we thought, huh, not going to work. <laughs> Definitely not going like, to work. So we just did 12 Still nuts. Handmade. <laughs> <laughs> Two hours and we got six nuts. <laughs> but, but that is a very, I think that's been one of the most interesting pieces of the business for us has been figuring out manufacturing. And working as women in a manufacturing world, uh, a world of co-packers who are the people who are able to scale and replicate your product and our insistence on maintaining the quality of that product, that has been quite the learning curve for all of us, including the men with whom we've, primarily men with whom we've, who, who have had to deal with us. And uh, really really interesting to be a woman in that situation. These are very old conservative kinds of institutions and factories. And here we were with a better for you product that had to be this and that. And we were committed to it being this and that at scale. And it's, that's, that's been a a quite a difficult journey. Did you change their mind or did you just move on from them? Like the old school... You know, I think that's a work in progress. And I like to think that we have, you know, we have made headway and we have changed minds. I think we continue to do that. I think now we're coming into this really exciting, powerful place as a women-led, women-founded company where we have leverage, where we can go into these situations and we, you know, we can change opinions. And um, actually, One of the best examples was, so our very first co-packer, 
I was out in Spokane in Eastern Washington, about five hours away from us. And we went, we were at a point where we'd manufacture the product itself, but we needed to figure out how to put it into a bag that could, you know, that you're used to seeing in the grocery store. And, um, I called this company and, you know, and I said, Hey, here we are, you know, we're this natural food startup. Can we pack this? And they were like, well, uh, you know, you need to pack 25,000 pounds of each flavor minimum. I was like, uh Oh, you know, I've 250 pounds, you know, Mm. and we were able to convince, um, the guy who ran the factory to let us do it. And we drove out there in, you know, in our little car with our nuts and we packed it on the line and we were all there and we packed each, you know, each individually little bag ourselves for two days or whatever. And we drove it all back and we went and we sold it, you know, and, um, over time it was incredible. That relationship grew. And it was only a few months ago that he wrote to me and he said, send me a picture. And he said, I just want to tell you, congratulations. You ship truckloads every week from us. And, you know, I think it's those little things that we have been able to influence. Yeah. Mm. I'd love that. Yeah, I think there's been, it's a real kind of culture clash in a way. And here we are chatting sort of on the eve of a, uh, an important or day after an important election. And I think one of the things that we have learned is to step toward this sort of middle America culture. And I think in return, they are stepping back and it. Manufacturing has allowed us to have conversations that we might not have otherwise have been able to have with Mm. certain people. And I think stepping into the manufacturing world has given me such enormous respect for how hard people work on a line. They stand up all day long. They don't sit down. You know, it, this is, hard manual labor that goes on. And I think I have a newfound understanding for how scary it is to think that your job is on the line. And just to see what goes on in that world is has been so fascinating because those of us who live on the fringes of the country don't jump into those worlds very often. So for us, it's been um, another way that we become educated on this journey as we've grown grown the product for so what do you do then I guess in that situation and I've never thought about it but to ensure that the practices of the people are safe and that you know they're being treated respectfully and everything like that do you just trust the manufacturing people that you work with or what's the process there that's really about making wise choices from the get-go, yeah. making sure that uh, the partner you choose does have those practices and aligns with you that way. I think we're very careful about that. Kindness is very important to us in our business. And that's one of our our touchstones, our, our touch points. Were. So I, I don't think we would work with anyone if we didn't feel like we sort of aligned that way. It just we, we just wouldn't be able to do it. Mm. So I kind of wanted to mark, like, was there a milestone where someone, a company, something happened, 
press coverage that really kind of sent you rocketing in the direction where you are now? Besides the podcast. Besides, yeah. Besides, besides advertising besides on almost 30. 30. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> we wish, but I, I'm just like, sometimes when those things happen, you don't know it is that moment. And so like, how do you like, what did that feel like? And, and how do you kind of like metabolize that and then make your next move? If that makes sense. I think as for me, at least as a woman, I like get a, the emotions take over and it's like this excitement and I kind of lose track of like, okay, so wait, what's the next move and what mm-hmm. should we do? So what did that feel like? And what was that? Uh, well, I guess, you know, for each of us, that might be different mm-hmm. because at least for myself, I'm not sure that there's a single moment that we've at least had yet where it kind of felt like it all came together and we got this break and everyone knew about us. I wish I could say that, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think that it's, for me, it's actually been very, as of recently when I, I guess my own kind of self-reflection, so maybe a little bit different, um, of building a team too and realizing, whoa, how did this happen? Mm-hmm. You know, and kind of starting to see all that slow and but yet steady work, that really hard work that we've all put in over the last few years come to fruition. And I think building the team and having these amazing people around us excited about what we've built has a, is a piece of that. I think some of our retail partners, um, you know, Target took us chain wide at a very early place. And that was uh, kind of, cemented what we felt about the brand. I love that. Mm-hmm. I would say even just for me, I started, you know, I have my little dog and I walk around my neighborhood and we've met um, couples and, and friends there and starting to talk like, you know, what do you do? Oh, well, you know, have a little startup, you know, um, and you say skinny dipped. And I was a nine out of 10 have looked at me and are like, oh. no skinny dips and I go beet red. I start sweating and I'm like, you know it, <laughs> you know, like uh, I am yeah. like, it is for me, it's just crazy, you know, and they've seen us target is huge on it, you know, airplanes, um, at airports. And it's just still very surreal that we would drive refrigerated trucks five hours over the pass. And I think we were going down every other day. And now people on the street randomly know who we are and have them in their cupboard and, eat them all the time. (laughs) Mm. I think for me, there was a moment recently where the CEO of LinkedIn reached out to us because he so loves our product Ah. and he found it in his, in his break room. Wow. (laughs) I think about these little nuts that we made in our kitchen, winding up in the break room at LinkedIn and then having somebody who's such a fan reach out to us and say, oh my God, I love these so much. I'm addicted. So that's crazy. Wow. That was crazy. Wow. (laughs) Still crazy. (laughs) What about for you? Do you have any moment? For me, I think it's just, you know, I always get excited when I see our product in the store. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning, you know, we know every single store that we're in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I am kind of surprised when I see us, it's like, wow, Mm -hmm. that's pretty cool that I didn't even know that we were in this store and here we are. What went behind kind of like the creation of your branding? Because I think it's so good. Mm -hmm. Um, So eye-catching. I don't know. I just, I love it. Mm -hmm. And 
what was the creative process behind that? Did you kind of have a vision or did someone else kind of present you with Mm -hmm. ideas? Um, It was a very long process. (laughs) We didn't always look like we do today. Um, Our package used to be white. It had very little color and, um, you know, we would have it in the store and it was so hard to see on shelf. Like we would walk into a store and not even be able to find our own product. And so we said to ourselves like, wow, we've got to do something. And, you know, I think we all have a lot of good intuition and ideas there about what's going to work. And so we really worked collaboratively with um, a few branding agencies that helped us. Um, But, you know, that's where the bright colors came in. You know, we wanted something that was really going to pop off shelf, but still show the product and um, show what it is and how delicious it is. And um, it's a really fun, fun process for all of us, the creative But yeah, I mean, it's seriously a work in progress. We've been at it for years. It's a long evolution. And that started with the white package Lizzie was just talking about, which actually had a window. We thought it was important to show the product inside, but that didn't work out very well for a whole variety of reasons. Uh, So so we abandoned that. And uh, we worked with, we didn't have any money. So we worked with interns to help us and, and we would progress the brand a little bit further and then, and we would take another stab at it. Uh, you know, we knew we wanted these gorgeous colors. Eventually we got there, but it, it's, you think it's a simple process. It's not simple at all because you have to accomplish so much on the front of your package, including trying to, you know, be that product that kind of really jumps out to the consumer and our struggle has always been trying to convey this idea of healthy indulgence. So, and in fact, we're still working on that to this day. We've got a little mini brand evolution in place right now. So our package will look much the same when you see it in a couple months time, but slightly different. Um, and all of this, I think these are growing pains as we grow up and we work hard to, to really uh, convey the attributes that we think are so important about our product that we want you to know that we're low in sugar, super low in sugar, and we're high in protein. And so we're working hard even now, as Lizzie said, to continue to grow and, and, and evolve the branding. Mm. And then for being, you know, four of you, what's that like, you know, as four women running a business and managing each other's energies and managing your relationships and managing the opinions and has it evolved? Don't be shy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think that, you know, we always say that we did everything that you're not supposed to do, went into business, family, friends, you know, here we are. And we tend to do a lot of things the way you're not supposed to do them. It's taken, I think like any relationship, um, it's taken work and, uh, and we've had, you know, challenging moments, but every time that we work through them, we're a little bit stronger. We have had to learn to respect each other for our different skill sets. Um, I think we have, the four of us have this kind of incredible ability to come together and each bring something a little bit different to the table. And then when we're apart, um, we're able to take that with us and then also marry it with our own set of skills. Breezy and I had to do some heavy lifting up front and Lizzie and Chrissy 
were witness to some of that and they were uh, wonderful about it. But we had to go from being a mom and daughter to being business partners. And that required uh, a a shift in mindset, a, a number of things. And we, we haven't mentioned, but Breezy is our CEO. So we had to establish, she and I, early on that that was the right thing to do, which it absolutely is the right thing to do. Um, you know, she's Breezy is very dynamic, very forceful, very determined. I bring sort of more the creative side of things to our business. Um, but I, you know, speaking as an almost 60, not an almost 30 <laughs> year old, <laughs> I had to be able to put my ego aside and recognize that that was okay to not take that role in our business. And, uh, so there was, there's been a lot of personal learning, certainly mm-hmm. for me in this, uh, on this journey, Lizzie, I'm just, yeah. So we had to, we had a lot of battles in the first, in the first year. And then we, the thing about it was that I think Breezy hit, hit on it exactly. Uh, we learned to really respect one another and to respect each of our individual skill sets. I had to be okay with, we were still paying Breezy's cell phone bill at the time. <laughs> That's amazing. I had to be okay with her Mom, running. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and she was handling all of the finances in the business. And I was just like, I hope you oh still are God. just as a yeah, joke. Yeah, literally. <laughs> I think we I think we are. <laughs> it's cheaper on the plan. It's cheaper on the plan. It's cheaper on the plan. Something like that. Something like that. So it's amazing. You know, there was all of that, but that hard work we did in the first year and the fact that the two, you know, my two other daughters who are sitting across the table (laughs) from me could tolerate that. And it did take, it took that, you know, we were living on top of each other. It was a very personal thing. And this is how we had to grow up as a business so that we could learn to behave as business women, as well as friends. Mm. What does dad think? Yeah. Oh my God. So much estrogen. Is he, but he's, he's yeah. so proud. Like I just like. He's amazing. He? All I have to say all of our mm-hmm. SOs. Wow. Have been extraordinary. They're just, they're always, they, they all do different things for the business and oh. to hop in there in different ways. They are all steady. They are all so behind us. It's part of the reason we can do what we do because they are such supporters. They love us so deeply mm. and they just jump in there and do whatever we need them to do. Mm. They're amazing. amazing. Mm. Have they ever, like, what do they do for the business? Drive the truck. All sort, keep us sane. <laughs> uh-huh. um, but so my husband, Stevie, has been doing um, a lot of the Amazon mm. headaches, sorting out how that even works, um, signing up warehouses what else has he done? He's even done some demos. He's the brainiac. He's the brainiac. He solves a lot of hairy issues on that side of the business that you have to have, I think, a special brain and a special patience for mm-hmm. to get down to the nitty gritty and mm-hmm. actually make it work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a mystery to me. My fiance is the uh, chief travel officer. <laughs> Delta Key. He does all of our travel, books it all, all our hotels, all our flights, all our itineraries, which is amazing. Oh. And then my dad, who um, has, you know, over the last five years, I mean, 
he just is always there to like move mountains is how I would put it. And in an incredibly efficient and unbelievable way um, and bail us out of whatever sort of disaster, help bail us out of whatever sort of disaster, you know, we call them nutastrophes, <laughs> which, um, you know, we've had trucks of nuts dump over while we're take you know, driving them in the middle of the night to get packaged. And he's always there to help us remedy those. I have to touch on one thing about Fosty really quick. That's Breezy's dad. So mm-hmm. he had, we were all there all the time living to built our very first booth for Expo, which we took on a plane out of anything. And then literally when I think we were all ready to break, my husband was still in New York and I was living with them and he would always have the hug at the end of the day to be like, you, you got it, kid. Go on oh, back out there. And we'd be like, oh, come on. We can do this. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah. They're all rocks. <laughs> yeah. My husband does all our, our truck driving. Um, <laughs> Shut up. How you amazing. Know, we used to drive our own trucks in the beginning and then we got to a point where we were like, we're done with this. <laughs> yeah. So, so is everyone like full-time employees? Husbands and wives? Like, No, they oh, do. Okay. They volunteer. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I would say they are volunteered. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, literally. (laughs) Which is so, it's so refreshing, you know? Damn, I love that he's booking travel. (laughs) How much I would trust Justin to book my travel? Zero. Zero percent. (laughs) Just because you're so good at it that it's hard to like trust anyone else. I'm just about it. (laughs) That is fucking crazy. Has there ever been a time where you guys are like, I don't know if this is going to work? I, for me, never. We were talking about this a bit last night and I've kind of always felt like we were doing the right thing and, mm. you know, this is what we're supposed to be doing. And it's really a great feeling to be, you know, at that, doing something like that. And yeah. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I completely agree with Lizzie. I never had a moment where I'm like, this isn't going to work. I think we've had moments where we're like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do? But that's very different than this isn't going to work. Mm. Yeah. I had a moment. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) We had this giant order from Target. It was really scary because we'll often refer to ourselves as puffer fish or, you know, we are small but mighty. And I think Target had a perception of us as perhaps being bigger than we were. And we have this, we had this giant, giant order come in. It was, we had to gear up. It was like a, a vertical learning curve. Things had to happen really quickly in order to be able to supply them. It was over Christmas last year. We're talking literally about a year ago. And uh, I was at our co-packers overseeing what was going on with the manufacturing. And for some reason, none of the three of you were there with me. Typical. Typical. <laughs> Typical. Right. And, and the way that I oversee quality is I taste things. I have to eat so many nuts when we're in the middle of a, yeah. And so I was tasting these nuts as they were coming out of our production line. And I kept thinking something's not right. Mm. And, and, and then part of me, the part of me that didn't want to know that something wasn't right kept saying, no, 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 it's fine. So I'd eat another nut. And then I would go, God, it's just not right. It doesn't taste right. And I was starting, I can remember how I felt like viscerally beginning to feel ill. Oh God. We had 60,000 pounds of nuts. 
And the more this feeling crept over me, the more I kept tasting the nuts faster and faster and faster. And I was like, it's okay. It's not okay. It's okay. It's not okay. And eventually uh, I realized uh, we had 60,000 pounds of nuts that were rancid, all 60,000 pounds. And at that moment, basically the mantra that we had been operating on with Target was don't fuck up Target. Like we had been told by the people in the know, you cannot fuck up Target because if you do, there's no going back. You will never, you will lose that and you will lose. It's not just losing Target. Like we had to prove ourselves. And there we were with 60,000 pounds of nuts that were rancid and absolutely no way that I could see to replace those 60,000 pounds in time to get our order filled. So I know at that moment, I think probably for me, that was my single worst moment in the business where I thought, I, I don't know how to get out of this. How did you get out of it? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me, what happened? We, like, so we sold rancid nuts at Target. No, we did not sell rancid nuts at Target. Well, I remember too, because I was on a flight actually to Denver for a meeting and I got this call from my mom and I just landed and she was like, you need to come back. And I'm like, I get off the plane. I called Delta. I got right back on the exact same plane, flew back and walked into this, you know, our manufacturing facility. And she just looks so defeated. She's got hundreds of nuts in front of her that she's eaten. Like, you know, she's biting them in half. So at that point, you know, it, all four of us were like, holy shit, what do we do? And I think actually uh, it's one of our biggest strengths, which is, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. And we went into scramble mode and we were like, okay, we need truckloads of nuts. They take weeks to get ro- to get pasteurized, to get roasted. We made calls all the way up, you know, whoever we could get a hold of in a senior level role in our supply chain to say, can anyone offload truckloads of nuts? How quickly can we? And this was the eve of Thanksgiving, I believe. And wow. I remember being like, I will call anyone. I will call the CEO of every single nut company until they send us truckloads. And we just, we scrambled. We scrambled and uh, we put our heads down and we were able to bring these truckloads in. And if, yeah, barely, when, when- barely. When Breezy says we scrambled, she scrambled like she will batter a door down. You were beating doors down. Wow. You were. She, she will call somebody 25 times until they say, yes, I will help you. And eventually we were able to secure enough nuts and do it, but wow. barely. Mind me asking, how old are you, Breezy? 31. I had to think about wow. that for a minute. I'm like so mm-hmm. impressed by you. Like I'm just... Even in the way that you're handling this interview and like turning that situation into a strength is like really beautiful. And even when I was joking, obviously about the rancid nuts, like in a conversational interview, like as a CEO, like you laugh, but you also just made clarity on like whatever actually happened. And you just are like so ahead, like you are so far ahead for like what even like professional CEOs that have been in the business for a long time you know, act like, like, mm-hmm. it's Thank amazing. It's an incredibly nice compliment. It is. It's just like <laughs> amazing. So for women that are listening, and this is, you know, for all of you, uh, female entrepreneurs that are starting a business that are, you know, working with a friend or even working solo, what is some advice that you would give to them? For me personally, 
Um, I think that there's a couple things. One, and I think this is probably, and I know it's shared between the four of us, is just that listening to yourself, just listening to yourself, to your gut, to your intuition. Also, knowing when experience can be complementary to intuition. And I think as a whole, we do an incredible job at that. Other just more practical advice, something that served me really well is especially in the beginning, even now, I just read and read and read. I read everything I could possibly read about what other people's experiences were like, what other founders' experiences were like. And I think because of that, I was able to kind of, it was like a sponge. And then I was able to extract pieces of that that along the way have helped us. And I think beyond that, it's just, you know, put your head down and believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. And I, I like to sort of... I think about it in terms of maps and compasses. We've navigated this road with a compass. There are no maps. It, a lot like the Josh situation for our family. Nobody had, there were no books that told us how our family could navigate that crisis. So you have to trust your gut, your instincts, your intuition, and really navigate with a compass and not be afraid to do things your own way and trust your instincts, trust your gut. We had to get through this whole business really almost up until just very recently without any data. We didn't have data. We didn't know how to do this. We had to figure it out. Um, So I think I think that's really important, people to, to trust what you sort of intuitively know deep down. And my other, my other thing would be, no idea is too small. We have a nut company. You know, we put chocolate on almonds, and yet it's so much more, I know, to all four of us than that. And uh, hopefully we're able to do a little bit of, of good out there in the world. And I think that uh, don't 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 let anybody diminish your idea. Mm. Um, you know, I think too. It's really important to know that just because you don't have experience or because you didn't go to business school mm-hmm. doesn't mean you can't do it. You know, if you have an idea, you should go for it and don't be afraid because you know none of us had any experience in the business world and here we are. So wow, yeah. I actually think that's what makes it more fun is everybody's so surprised that we Googled what is a UPC code or people said you couldn't put as thin of a layer of chocolate as, you know, you wanted to. And and I would also just say what I learned, I think at least is to have the hard conversation. It's never as scary as you think it's going to be, whether it was between the four of us just Mm. with personal relationships or, you know, with somebody in the industry who's been a buyer on the desk for 15 years it's hard, but you just got to do it. And then you're not that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, one. Love that. That's so good. Yeah. I love about skinny dip too, that it is, you know, it's, it's been, you know, chocolate covered almonds have been around. And I think that a lot of people think about, they're like, okay, what do I, what am I going to do for my business? If they have an entrepreneurial, um, you know, spirit, or they want to have their own thing, they're like, okay, well, you know, and they're like, okay, Snapchat's been done, Instagram's been done, or this has been done, but people don't really understand that there is like so much that goes into so many things that even the fine tailoring or tweaking or building a story behind or the branding or doing the product from a more like 
health conscious way can change the game. Um, so there's just such a greater opportunity, I think, for people as like people become more conscious and evolved, especially in the health and wellness space too, to like create products or services or things that from, you know, that they can do. I think people get disheartened because there's already so, you know, already like there's no good ideas, but there are. What's next for Skinny Dipped? What flavors we got Come coming on. Come I'm still on. dreaming about my peanut butter. I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Peanut butter. It's my favorite. Peanut butter Is should, it? should yeah. be illegal. Mm-hmm. I know. I feel the same so way. Good. <laughs> so good. It's my favorite. It, yeah, took a, it took so long to get there with that one. I'm Probably sure. Probably because two thin layers. Yeah. Yeah. That was a tricky one for us. I'm sure. Probably spent three years Whoa. figuring that one out. You just mm-hmm. have to get it super thin and then super thin. Yeah. And I think for us, the challenge is always sticking to clean ingredients. Yeah. How do you do that without adding something that is like an oil. something we'd never mm-hmm. add? Yeah. Wouldn't even mind adding an oil if it's mm-hmm. a natural oil that's yeah. derived from a product like Spindrifts, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, lemon yeah, yeah. soda is, for yeah. example. One of the exciting things we have coming up is extra dark in the 70% category. Uh, about. <laughs> Come on. About, I don't know, maybe two thirds, about 40% less sugar than our our normal skew. Um, So for those people who love dark Mm, chocolate, I do. This is, I may have a couple in my purse. Yes. Great. We'll take it. Great. See ya. Thanks. Thanks. (laughs) I know you wanted to get rid of those. So yeah. (laughs) So extra dark with sea salt. Um, Oh. Good we've one. got some other peppermint fun things. Do you guys do peppermint at holiday? I forget. We've we've brought some to you. Oh, yeah. Mm. What about what about? Would you go digging in their purse? Yeah, literally. <laughs> oh yeah. Wait, or did you guys have peppermint last season? Did you guys send us peppermint? Mm. We just I had think your I made fall. It up. Your, yeah, um, pumpkin spice, the mm-hmm. yogurt covered yep. ones, and the pumpkin mm-hmm. spice ones. Would you ever go? This might be a really mm-hmm. terrible question. Would you ever go outside of almonds? Like, yeah, that's what I wondered too. Just like thinking about people with some allergies, but whatever. But love a good cashew nut. <laughs> <laughs> do you want our? If you guys are taking requests, <laughs> we can do an almost thirty times skinny dipped cashew nut. <laughs> yeah, no, we talk about all the. We dream about all those things oh. for sure. Uh, other nuts, definitely. We love nuts. Nuts mm-hmm. are great, and we've talked about cashews. Mm. Uh, I'd love to do some kind of seeds for people who can't do Into nuts. It. Mm. Right? Seed cycling. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's genius. It's I love great. a good seed. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Okay. We're still we still have other uh almond flavors that we've got that we're kind of brewing up right now. Perfect. Great. Yeah, you could skinny dip your life. You could skinny dip everything really. <laughs> skinny dip a husband. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a fantasy I'd like to see. Um, well, thank you for being here. Yeah. Um, we always just love to kind of like flip the brand around and see really how you built it, your story, um, the things that have challenged you most and and what you're most excited about. And um, we're just grateful. Mm-hmm. And we're so proud to, to, have to work with you guys mm-hmm. and it's just, there's no better feeling when, you know, we first are introduced to the brand. We love the packaging and then we love the product. I love the product too much. I have to keep it at Lindsay's because um, I eat it to like crazy. But then to just meet you guys and hear your story and hear, you know, what's going on behind is so special and it just means a lot. You know, it's mm-hmm. really great. So we're so glad you're here and we're so excited to see where you guys go in the future. I mean, sky is the limit. 
really. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. This You're has been welcome. such an exciting day and, you know, way to be able to tell our story. Oh, are we your first pod? Yes, obviously. You guys are. Thank you. You're so big hearted, the two of you. And to spend so much time indulging us and and listening to our story and and slowing down and taking the time really means so much. And we are so grateful to you guys for that. And for all of the great work that you're doing with your podcast on behalf of women and entrepreneurs and health and wellness. It's awesome. Yeah, thank thank you. you. Yeah. That means a lot. Match made in heaven. Thanks, right, Brittany. Everyone. Thanks, Brett. <laughs> Gotta get Brittany all the cred. <laughs> all right. We love you all. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next Almost episode. 30 is this code for skinny death. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Drop it. Yeah. It is. If you guys want to get some, it's at Target. And then almost 30 is the code if you want to get some online. All right. We love you. We love you. Bye. Thank you to Skinny Dipped. Yeah, thanks for coming over. We had so much fun with you ladies. It was awesome. So Skinny Dipped Almonds is the brand, skinnydipped.com. You can use almost 30 if you want to buy online, but they're also available in most retail stores. Target is one of them. So pick up some Skinny Dipped Almonds, baby. Hopefully it was inspiring to all you entrepreneurs out there. You know, one, never too late, because I feel like her mom especially lives so many beautiful lives, like Mm -hmm. as a mother and entrepreneur. So, so cool. Um, Okay. Review of the week. Game changer, five stars. The Almost 30 podcast has absolutely changed my life. A must listen for anyone looking to expand their knowledge, make a change or gain insight on new topics. I can't get enough. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's from ACAN33. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Hopefully you guys don't think we read these and are like indulgent, but we just want to thank you. Mainly. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's a, a moment of gratitude. Yeah. Because you guys took a second to do that. And um, yeah, it's really, you know, the reviews mean a lot. They so really when do. this is all free content for everyone, so reviews mean a lot. So thank you for listening. And if anything resonates with you, I'm sure you know someone that it would resonate with. So please pass along, you know, tag friends or text it to them. It goes a long, long way. Um, and if you don't already know, we will be going on tour this year. So please stay tuned on our website, almost30podcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at almost30podcast. Lots of exciting new cities that we will be visiting. We can't wait to meet you and we will be going international. So as of now, we'll be in Australia, London, and a few others that we're excited to confirm and then we'll be doing a college tour so keep us posted if you know of anyone or you yourself are in college or have any connections that could help us plan events at colleges thanks so much for tuning in to the almost 30 podcast love you we love you